A couple of years ago, Deb and I were down uh, out down under in New Zealand and Australia and had a chance to minister at some uh, great churches down there. Had a wonderful time. We had the opportunity to meet a... Uh, we were at one church there and had an gr- opportunity to meet this great couple, uh, Peter and Beverly Mortlock. And it's an amazing church. One of the mega churches in New Zealand, or right there in Auckland. And uh, they are... It's an amazing church. High energy, powerful, God doing things. Thousands of people baptizing all kinds of people that are preaching the gospel all over the place. And uh, when I was there, they treated me like gold. And they were so nice and kind and respectful. And it's just like, wow, it was amazing. Well, I heard from their office that they were coming to the States on vacation. Their idea of their vacation is these two crazy people get on a Harley and drive all across America for like six weeks. <laughs> and they were coming by here. And I said, let me know when you're coming by here. So they're by here. And I've asked them to preach this morning. So we're going to put them to work. Would you be as kind to him as they have been to me? Pastor Peter Mortlock coming to share this morning. <clears throat> now, when I was in South Africa, I bought this really cool red shirt. And I was thinking the other day, I'm going to wear that cool shirt next Sunday. He's wearing it this morning. It's very disturbing. Anyway, bless you. Preach, brother. Thanks, Pastor Mark. Would you give your pastor a big hand right now? Wonderful. Hey, it's so good to be here in Green Bay, and uh, I'm so looking forward to what I have to share with you this morning. I hope and pray you can understand my Kiwi accent. And I just want to put a couple of things right before I start this morning. You know, Australians and New Zealanders, we're not in the same nation, okay? We've got 3,000 miles of water that separate us, and I know a lot of people get us mixed up, but New Zealand, I want to tell you, is the sporting capital of the world. Bungee jumping originated in New Zealand, commercial bungee jumping. We are crazy down there, and uh, enough to say we've got more... Uh, world champions per head of capita than any other nation in the world. We're very outdoors people. Why? Because we have no wild animals. We've got no snakes, no dangerous animals. You can go anywhere and uh, be safe. The only thing you've got to watch out for is people, right? But uh, Australia, of course, has heaps of snakes, 10 of the world's most dangerous snakes, crocodiles, all that kind of stuff. By the way, I'm half Australian. My mum was born there, so I'm not getting at them this morning. But enough to say, I just want to put a couple of things straight. The other thing New Zealand is well known for, and I was talking with your pastor about this last night. Uh, we were the first people to split the atom, uh, Lord Rutherford. But uh, the pers- first person to climb Mount Everest, can anybody tell me who that was? Nobody. It's amazing. I've been preaching around America. I've got one gentleman down there. His name was Sir Edmund Hillary. And uh, who was the second person, by the way? Doesn't matter. But, but enough to say, Sir Edmund Hillary, the first man to climb Mount Everest, a New Zealander. And uh, I just met with him before he died. He is an old man, uh, uh, 88, I think, when he died. And I met with him just a few months before he died. I was one of the last people to meet with him. And uh, I got to pray with him. And he said to me, Peter, never settle for a mundane life. Never settle for a mundane life. And so we've just celebrating 30 years of church work. 30 years we pl- plant, 30 years ago we planted, pioneered a church called City Impact Church uh, in New Zealand. And uh, we just celebrated 30 years. So I said to Bev, let's ship our Harley over, ride right across America, one coast to the other. We've done that. Now we're riding right down to San Diego next week. And, uh, you know, you just got to get out more. 
Some people got to get out more. In fact, I had a gentleman ask me yesterday, was Sir Edmund Hillary an American? Some of you Americans got to get out more. So, enough to say, I just uh, hope and pray that this morning you'd uh, appreciate what I've got to say. I really feel a, a word from God uh, for you. Uh, but I also just want to mention, if I can, I'm not here to plug New Zealand, but it is the first nation in the world to see the sun. The Bible says, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Amen. In fact, it's Monday over there right now. So you're in for a good day because I rang home, checked it out. So... <laughs> The other thing is that uh, the Bible says the gospel shall be preached to the uttermost part of the earth and then it shall not return void. So there's a shift that takes place in the earth. I just want to tell you right now that God is building his church. Amen. The gates of hell. Come on, you can say amen. Come on. And uh, the, see, church should be not a spectator sport, but a contact sport. I mean, you're a football town, right? I mean, New Zealand is a rugby nation, the All Blacks. You probably haven't heard them, but, but South African passed on the front rows heard them. Praise God. But, uh, but because we thrash South Africa. But enough to say, enough to say that, uh, you know, church is not a passenger ship, but a working crew. In other words, there should be no unemployed members in the body of Christ. From the point of view, every part, every person's got their part to play in the body of Christ. Why? Because it builds a church. Now, you need to pray for me this morning because our national emblem is because when we talk about kiwis, a lot of people think we're talking about the fruit, the kiwi fruit. No, that came from China. It's actually a Chinese gooseberry. Don't want to mess you up, but that's the facts of it. But enough to say that we are named after a bird, a flightless bird called a kiwi. Can't even get off the ground. I mean, hello, you got an eagle, man. I mean, I'm, I'm impressed with you guys, but so you, you need to pray for us. We're only a small nation, four million people. We've got 60 million sheep. So we know something about sheep and shepherds, pastor. All right. I often say you want to look after your pastor. The reason for that is there is only one pastor ever named in the Bible. In fact, he was a perfect pastor. His name was Jesus. And they crucified him. So kind of what hope do we have? But enough to say it's all good. Amen. And so I'm looking forward to what I've got to share. The other thing that New Zealand is well known for, of course, is this movie, The Lord of the Rings. Has anybody heard of that movie? I said, has anybody heard of it? I mean, I'm not, I'm not endorsing the movie. I'm just saying, have you heard of it? Hello. Some of you are looking at me like a cow looking at a strange gate. And uh, that movie, uh, of course, filmed in New Zealand, the scenery is there. And it's interesting, isn't it, that Hollywood, Hollywood understands the supernatural. I mean, whether it's a werewolf movie or the super dude movie or whatever, Hollywood understands the supernatural. But can I just say to your church, I want to tell you right now where the supernatural belongs. Not in Hollywood, it belongs in the church. Amen. And too often Christians are living natural lives and we should be living supernatural lives. We're living ordinary lives and we should be living extraordinary lives. Life, I want to tell you, when you get into that extra mile, the second mile, that's where you start to live life abundantly. Can I hear an amen? Jesus said, come follow me. It was an invitation to a journey. He never told them where he was going. If he had told them, they may not have gone. Every one of them was martyred except John and only because he wouldn't die. But enough to say that the thing is, he said, follow me and I will what? Make you. I said, make you. You are still a work in progress. You are under construction. Amen. We're all a work in progress. We don't arrive while we're alive. And God is not only building his church, but he's perfecting his saints. I feel sorry for God. Why is that? Well, 
I saw how many people stood for need, and that's great. But needs are like belly buttons. Everybody's got one. See, needs necessarily don't move the hand of God. Faith moves the hand of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You've got to get out of the boat. You've got to step out. It's like worship. Worship. You know, to get into America, I had to have a passport. I didn't cross the green line without the passport. Right? Are you out there today? That's good. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, this passport is like entering into the kingdom of God, entering into God's presence. I will enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. You don't get in unless you begin to worship. I'm just trying to help you today. Is that all right? This little Kiwi boy. I'm just trying to encourage you today as I preach. I'm preaching to myself as well. I want to stir up the Holy Ghost within me. Can I hear an amen to that? Well, I remember the story goes, and it's an American story, so you like this one. But the governor of New York was invited to speak to a particular audience. And uh, he walks in, and as he was being introduced, nobody was listening to him. Everybody was talking, people were chattering, and, you know, wine and cheese and all that kind of stuff. And so the thing was, was that he was introduced, and he got up to the podium. And as he got up to the podium, people were still talking, people were still drinking wine and cheese, not listening to him. And so he tapped his glass very loudly, and people were stunned and listened. And he said, I want to tell you a story. He said, when I was a little boy, my dad took me to a parade in New York. And there was lots of balloons, lots of fun fear, lots of clowns and, you know, a big street parade and everybody is cheering and yahooing. And all of a sudden my dad said to me, son, take off your hat, stand to attention. The governor of New York is passing by. He said that day, ladies and gentlemen, I learned to honor and respect the office of the governor of New York. And with that, I bid you goodbye. And he walked off the podium. If you would turn with me to Mark chapter 6 verse 1, it will be on the screen, I trust, and I thank the AV people for their wonderful help this morning. Some of you thought, is this man going to open up the Bible? Do they have one down here in New Zealand? Mark chapter 6 verse 1. I want to tell you, well, I'm going to tell you in a moment. And he, Jesus, went out from there and he came to his own hometown And his disciples followed him. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are these not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. And he could do no miracle. Some translations said he did not. Most translations said he could not. They asked me before what translation I use. I said, whichever one suits my doctrine. He could do no miracle there except he laid his hands upon a few people and healed them. Father, I pray your blessing over your word today. I pray, oh God, that it would be inspired and blessed and anointed. People would leave here different the way they came, that lives would be changed. People that need to get right with God would get right with God. Father, lives would, uh, Father, be uh, affected for the kingdom of God, I pray in Jesus' name. You know, here was Jesus. He just came from a very successful traveling ministry trip as it were he'd been healing the sick raising the dead hello i mean he'd been uh, casting out demons all the kind of stuff that the church should be doing and he came from capunium and from galilee and he came into his own hometown nazareth now i just want to tell you straight up people are people whatever they have for breakfast right americans new zealanders we all bleed red black brown yellow we all bleed red hello 
Are you out there to turn to the person beside you and say, it's okay. He's going to be okay, this boy. And we all bleed red. And so we're human beings. Now, there's only one difference, to be honest, friend, in relation to these two crowds. One received miracles and the other one didn't. In Capernaum, their miracles were flowing. In Nazareth, he could do no miracle. And he himself gives us a key. I said the key. Everybody say the key. You know there are keys to the kingdom? Anybody here want to have a blessed life? There are keys to the kingdom. There are principles in God. Amen? There's a presence of God. I mean, you know, I talk about living under an open heaven and it's like the dove, the Holy Spirit, you know. It's so true that so often people don't walk with a dove in mind. You know, the dove that came down upon Christ and the Holy Spirit is like a dove that can be flooded away because of things we look at that are wrong or places that we go that are wrong. And, you know, and a friend, I want to encourage you, walk through life with a dove in mind. Amen. Holy Ghost. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. So in any case, these two groups of people. And Jesus gave us a key. He said, because there was no honor, everybody say honor, he could do no miracle. Now here's a key, friend. I want to help you today. Believe me, there's an awesome power in honoring. Now when I talk about honor in America, I feel a little bit like I'm taking snow to Alaska because you guys, you honor your sports stars, you honor your rock stars. You're very good at honoring the flag. All good and proper, right? But I find in the church, often there's a lack of honor. And it's a little bit like the supernaturals in the world, but the supernaturals missing from the church. And I find there's honor in the world, but there's not a lot of honor in the church. I'm just trying to help you today. Just from an outsider looking in. Sometimes we can't see the wood for the trees. And First uh, Samuel chapter 2, because this is a key for blessing of your life. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 20, God says, those who honor me, I will honor. Now, there's a power when we honor, but most people don't realize there's a sin of dishonor. And it cuts God's blessing, cuts God's flow off. A lot of people think when they get saved, you know, well, that's it. They're going to die and go to heaven. Well, you know, it's good to have some pie in the sky when you die, but you want some steak on your plate while you wait. And a lot of Christians, I want to tell you, they don't need a devil, they're killing themselves. It's like they're on their way to heaven, but they're living like hell in the meantime. And of all people, you and I should be living life abundantly. Amen? And so there's some keys, and this is just one, but I want to help you this morning. I trust it will be a blessing to you. So there's a power when we honor But a lot of don't realize there's also a power when we dishonor, the sin of dishonor, and it brings a curse. Let me show you this morning. Let me prove it to you this morning out of the Word of God. The word honor, I'm sure you know what it means. It means to adore. It means to count as valuable. It means to count as precious. It means to respect. Now, the opposite, like, is no respect, even disgrace. Hebrews, sorry, Habakkuk 2.16. You'll be filled with disgrace, God says, instead of honor. And after disgrace will uh, and and after disgrace will come upon your glory. Now in the Bible there are ten groups of people, or ten ten identities that we are called to honor. Let me begin this morning, and I'll move quickly. Number one, of course, we are called to honor God. No Christian would have a problem with that. Amen. Everybody say honor God. Count God as valuable. Count him as precious. Right. 
First Samuel 2.20, those who honour me, I will honour, says God. Those who value me, I will value. Another translation, those who respect me, I will respect. Now the opposite is true. Those who despise me, wow, think about that. Now how do we honour God? Well, very quickly, um, there's a scripture that says in First Corinthians 6.20, we're to honour God with our bodies. In other words, not involved in sexual immorality things and all that kind of stuff. Proverbs 4, caring for the poor, we honour God as well. But what most people don't realize, and it may be a surprise to you, the way that we are called to honor God primarily in the scriptures is to honor God with our finances. In other words, you put your money where your mouth is. Have you got that saying over here? Let me prove it to you. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord from the first of your wealth. Sorry, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new, new wine. Malachi, pastor's favorite verse for talking about this, of course, talks about honoring God or robbing God. And a lot of people say, well, how can you rob God? He's got streets of gold. And you may be sitting there saying, oh, church is just after my money. No, McDonald's is after your money. The bank manager's after your money. The church is trying to establish a kingdom of God upon the earth. Amen. And a lot of Christians are broke. The reason they're broke is Jesus said, give and you shall receive. Don't give and you don't get. It's a principle, right? And so... Verse 10, so your bounds will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So how can you rob God? He walks on streets of gold. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. How can you rob God? By withholding your finances from him. Well, friend, God is not trying to take something from you. He's trying to get something to you. And so you rob God of the ability to bless you. You rob God of the ability to prosper you. You, in other words, tie his hand. See, God will not violate his word like this word honor. He says, give and it shall be given. Bring your tithes into the house and it shall overflow. You cut off the flow from heaven unless you're prepared to put your money where your mouth is. Amen. See, people can be sincere, but sincerely wrong. And God does not bless sincerity. He blesses obedience. Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord said, because his people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me. Now you're a football town, right? Green Bay Packers, we're a rugby nation. You know, the story goes, and of course there's a parable about the landlord, right? The parable, Jesus said, I'm like a landlord. Well, this landlord comes and he's looking for the rent. The guy opens the door. And he's sitting, standing behind the door and he goes, you are the landlord. Yes, you are the landlord. Yes, you are the landlord of life. And the guy closed the door and the landlord's standing there saying, well, that was very nice, but where's my rent? So he comes back next week, opens the door and he's got his family there. You are the landlord. Yes, you are the landlord. I'm not a very good singer, am I? But that's all right. You are the landlord of life. And the guy closed the door and the landlord's saying, well, that's very nice, but where's my rent? So he comes back the next week, opens the door. He's not only got his family, he's got the whole street. You are the land. I'm giving you the short version. And in the middle of the song, the landlord says, shut up, show me the money. You got to go back a little way for that movie, right? (laughs) But the thing is, it's so true. Often Christians in church, oh, praise the Lord. But you're not getting my money. And how do we honor God? Well, we honor God from the first of wealth. Now, we cut off God's blessing if we don't. Let me, let me take it a little bit further. Honor father and mother. Isn't it true that this is a first commandment with a promise? Why, if we don't honor our father and mother, our life is cut off? Hello, Ephesians 6.1. It says, honor your father and mother so your life may be long upon the planet. 
Hello? Why do you think there's so much teenage... Well, we won't even go there today. Honor, honor wives. Men, listen to me this morning. And hey, I'm, I'm taking snow to Alaska right now. We talk in New Zealand about taking coal to Newcastle. It's a place in England because they've got a lot of coal there. But you know, you've got one of the world's best speakers as your pastor. Now, we had them down under two years ago. Two years ago. And uh, we've got them coming back next year. And I'm, I'm not joking. Wherever I go, and I, I'm, I've been ministering now for 30 years. I, I, I preach all over the planet and a lot of pastors. And I've told them that uh, this man sitting on the front row, him and his dear wife are such a blessing to us. They came down under such gracious people. They've been so gracious to us while being here, uh, showing us hospitality. But I want to tell you, I've told pastors, Pastor Mark Gungor would be the best, best preacher our marriage is on the planet today. No two ways about it. Heads and shoulders. But it's so often, isn't it, that familiarity can breed contempt. Right? And sometimes we don't appreciate the gift that we've got in our midst. Hello? Are you out there today? I'm not here to butter them up. Because if you butter somebody up, they're probably going to toast you after, right? I'm not here to butter them up. I'm just here to put it out there, friend, that you need to treasure the gift in your midst. Because it is a unique And a very special gift. No two ways about that. I'm not sure how he can do what he does. Pastor all these campuses and the senior pastor of the church and and have this international. I don't know. I've said to him, how do you do that? But he needs, obviously, your prayer, your support, your love. Are you out there today? And so... Honor wives. Now, as I said, I'm not here to teach on marriage. I thought about it, but no, just kidding. But isn't it true that 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way as a weaker vessel since she is a woman, and grant her honor, everybody say honor, honor. as a valet of grace, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, I'm going to tell you a marriage joke, and he's probably going to steal and tell it around the world. It's true. But, you know, they say marriage is like an alarm clock. You get a ring, and then you wake up. That's all right. But... Look, I'm writing that one down. So, so I understand. I've been married for over 40 years. I understand marriage, friend. But it's true that men, listen, you are the answer to your own prayer. You can pray till the cows come home. But your prayers will not be answered unless you honor, you cherish, you respect your wife. Well, that should have got an amen. Especially from the ladies. I'm going to move on. And... and You hinder God's flow in your life unless you're prepared to honor. You count your wife. You say, well, I'm not, you're not married to my wife. Hey, you're not married to mine. No, I won't go there. But enough to say, look at her. She looks so gorgeous on the front row. So sits on the back of my Harley Davidson, cross American. She, and she's a great woman. Number four is honor husbands. Wives respect. What, why is wives need? Because you cannot meddle with God's flow charter. Please, I'm not speaking on marriage this morning. I'm talking about honor as a principle in life. You cannot meddle with God's flow chart. The world's getting very dysfunctional today. We all come from some form of dysfunction, I say. Even Moses was a basket case. But, you know, Jesus had a stepdad. I had a, my dad died when I was 12. I mean, everybody comes from some form of dysfunction. We live on a fallen planet. But you cannot meddle with God's flow chart. There is lines of authority to inherit the blessing of God. But number five is honor leadership. Let me give it to you. 1 Timothy 5.17 Let the elders who rule be considered worthy of what? Double honor. 
double honour, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. I'm talking about Pastor Mark Gungor today that says those who work hard, I don't know how he does what he does. I was talking to him about a small groups and he prepares all the studies for them. And I'm thinking, man, working hard at preaching and teaching. Now you might say, well, and by the way, can I just say, this is the only person in scripture we're called to double honour. God, we're just called to honour. This is double honour. Wow. I wish I had more time this morning. I'd ram this one home. (laughs) But why do you need to honour your leadership? Why do you need to honour your pastors? Quite simply, friend, if you do not honour them and respect them and count as valuable in church, you will never receive from them. I said you'll never receive from them. You'll consider church for 10 years and remain the same. Hey, we're not called to remain the same. We're called to change into the likeness of Christ. We're called to grow into the full measure and stature of God. Amen? We're on a journey. But unless you respect, and the danger is when you've got a, such a wonderful preacher among you that you familiarity breeds content, and so therefore you don't receive the same way as people do when he goes to the nations of the world. And so I found people can sit in church and they're still gossiping, they're still slandering, they're still being envy, they're still jealous. I wish I could ride a Harley Davidson across America. They get all bitter and twisted. The Apostle Paul said it ought not to be that way. And by the way, if you really want to take this a bit further, it's really in relation to finances because it says you'll not muzzle the ox. In the very next verse, while he's uh, threshing the laborers worthy of his wages, Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they watch over yourselves. Amazing how people listen to a sports coach. You're a football town, as I mentioned before. You know, I'm sure the Green Bay Packers, when they turn up for practice, if one's late, the coach says to them, don't be late again. You won't get to play on Sunday. Yes, sir. Amazing. You know, church, musician turns up late for practice. Don't be late again. Who do you think you are? You know, we often treat church different. They tell you to pull up your socks. You don't go down the road and start your own football team, do you? Uh, but but people treat the world in a better way than treating the church today. Hello? And and I want to tell you right now, your, your coach or your mentor doesn't have to give an account for your life. Your pastor, it's not an easy thing about this, has to give an account before God of your life. Oh, I say, God, that's just so unfair. These people won't even do what I'm telling them. They're robbing you. Well, in any case, let's move on. So the truth is respecting the anointing increases the anointing. I said, respecting the anointing increases the anointing. Jesus himself could do no miracle. Think about it. Jesus himself could do no miracle because there was no honor given. And so when people no longer honor the church, the church, think about it. The bride of Christ. How valuable, how precious is that? Any engaged people here? You know, you're engaged to be married? No, no engaged people. Wow. All right. I could say stand up all the single people could. No, in any case. So. The thing is, isn't it true? If somebody speaks against your wife or against your, your fiance, whoa, hello. And yet people are speaking against the church, the bride of Christ. Jesus isn't coming back for you, friend. He's coming back for the church. That's why you've got to be in the church to be saved, just to be added to the church. There's no such thing as lone rangers out there, me and Jesus. How do I know there's no lone rangers? Because I've read the Bible and Tonto's not in there. But, but friend... It's true. To be saved is to be added to the church. Can a bee be without a hive? Can a sailor be without a ship? Can a football player be without a team? No. Can a Christian be without? No. 
To be saved is to be added to the church. And so honor the church, friend, is so important. Now, I've got to just close as, as, I, as I bring this to a close, but you can read your Bible. Isn't it amazing when Christians read the Bible? You know, we're called to honor our employers and employees. So many people are late for work and all that because they're out at church too late. <laughs> Hello. Your boss is interested in that. But in any case, honor, you know, they, they come to work and they want to tell the boss how many toes are on Daniel's beast and all that. But honor widows. Honor, men, honor all men. The last one I'm closing is honor you. First Thessalonians 4, verse 4. I want you to write this down. This is so important, friend. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Now, now, get me, please. And I, I want to mess with your brain for a little bit. I don't want to freak you out. But I did not say honor yourself. Why? Because yourself and you are two different people. Hey, sounds schizophrenic. Help me here. See, yourself is occupying the space that Jesus wants to inhabit. I said yourself is occupying the space that Jesus wants to inhabit. In other words, you, you thrive in the presence of God. Yourself thrives in the absence of God. I'm talking about low self-esteem. I'm talking about selfishness. I'm talking about self-confidence. I'm talking about self-made people. I'm talking about the self part that has to die. The Apostle Paul said to die daily. He did not say take up your pillow and follow me. He said take up your cross. There is a cost to Pentecost. Right? So the thing is, friend, you are awesome... Yourself is destructive. You've got to die to yourself. Let me give you the scripture because some of you are looking at me like a cow looking at a strange gate. Listen to this. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. A lot of Christians have complexity over this. They don't understand how you can have the abundant life because they think they've got to be so poor and humble, you know, because they think humility is poverty. Poverty is a curse. Prosperity is a blessing. Read your Bible, friend. Hello. And so you have to live. I have come to bring you life and you life abundantly. But you've got to die to yourself. The self part, the selfish part. I mean, there's all kinds of areas in this, in this world. I mean, you've got to look after your own temple, your own body. I mean, some people's idea of exercise, for example, is take a bath, pull the plug, fight the current. <laughs> you only give them one, buddy. And a lot of people come, and, and the, after 30 years of, of abusing their body, they want prayer for healing. Well, you know, riding a motorcycle throughout the country, if you go to a motorcycle class, it's true, they teach you, what to do before a corner so you don't get into trouble in that corner. And invariably, the question will always come up, what do you do if you're in the corner and you're going too fast? And the answer is, it's too late. Too late. And so often I find in life, friend, it's like parents who won't bring their children into the house of the Lord regularly because they've got studies, they've got Sunday sport, they've got to go shopping, they've got all these things. And then when they get to teenagers and they're wondering why their teenagers are getting messed up and drugs and uh, sex and all that kind of stuff, 
It's too late. They bring them to church and want the church to sort out their problem. It's too late. Now I know the grace of God is here and I know that God can save a misspent youth like me. Hallelujah. When my dad died when I was 12, friend, my sister took me along to a crusade. And uh, when the preacher asked people to give their life to Christ, I found myself standing with tears coming out of my eyes. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I was called to preach the gospel. Now I'm from a small town, 3,000 people. I was brought up on a farm. I couldn't speak to the age of seven. I couldn't speak Chinese. I couldn't speak Japanese. I couldn't speak anything. Had a huge problem with speaking. With my speech. And here I was as a 12 year old boy. And I knew that I was called to preach the gospel. The only preacher I'd ever heard about was Billy Graham. He'd just been in New Zealand back in the 1960s. And so in any case, I went to a Presbyterian minister and asked him how to become a minister. He said I had to go to university. Now university, back in those days... And I'm talking small town New Zealand was like going to another planet, like going to Planet Strange. It didn't happen. And so he kind of shattered my dream. I got him with the wrong crowd. They got him with me. I became a very wild, misspent youth. Messed up a lot of my brain. You know, you develop mindsets and habits that take years to break. But into my life, walked a Presbyterian minister's daughter. She took me along to a church like this. It was a lot smaller. People were clapping, lifting up their hands. I thought, what a bunch of idiots. You only do that in a pub. You only do that when, you know, you're under the influence. These people are enjoying themselves. You don't do that. I. But I knew they had something I didn't have. I gave my life to Christ and at uh, 21 got my life back on rails. I had 40 jobs by the time I was 20. And then I became New Zealand's top real estate new housing salesman for six years running. God can turn it around for you, friend. What he's done for me, he can do for you. He's no respecter of people. What it requires you to do is work the principles of God, the promises of God, a yes and amen in Christ Jesus. There's only one way to live this Christian life. That's all in. Friend, as one wise boatman said, if you've got one foot on the dock and one foot in the boat, sooner or later you're going to end up a very sorry person. You've got to be planted in the house of the Lord. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall prosper. Can I hear an amen to that? See, friend, the church is not here to meet your need. The church is here to remove your need. I'm just trying to help you this morning. If you're prepared to give everything to God, He'll give everything to you. But if you want to hold back pieces of your heart, friend, He can never mend that broken heart of yours. And so I'm here just to encourage you to honor not only God, but also honor the man and woman of God that God has put in your midst to look after your soul. To treat them with respect, to treat them with value. Why? Because the blessing always flows down, it never flows up. The anointing always flows down, it never flows up. Can I hear an amen to that? Father, I just thank you so much for Pastor Mark and Debbie and the other pastors, campus pastors. I bless them. Those that are listening online, those at the other campuses, we believe for your grace. We believe for your anointing. We believe, Father, for people to come to Christ, get saved, get born again. Father, to be filled with the Holy Ghost, to be touched by the power of God. I bless these wonderful people. Thank you for the opportunity of speaking to them. We believe, oh God, for great increase in our lives as we honor you and honor all men in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Amen.